You're listening to Go, Go, Stop, Go, a show about major events, issues, and turning points in people's lives. I'm your host, Jay Badenhope. I've been inspired to start this project after losing my mother in August 2016 doing better than I was and having deeper conversations with people has helped. If you listen to the trailer or episode one of the show, you'll know many of the conversations I've recorded have been with people who knew my mom, Phyllis Badenhope. In episode one, I talked with Joyce Comfort, a college classmate who studied with my mom in northwestern Missouri in the early 1950s. Then, starting in the early 1960s, my mom traveled to Asia and Europe for seven years, teaching first grade to the children of American military personnel. Her longest international stop was three years in Spain. Today you'll hear a conversation I had with Marge Goslin, who taught and lived with my mom in Madrid. My mom's time living overseas happened before I was born, so I appreciate Marge's willingness to fill in some gaps I had in my mom's time there. At 89, Marge is no stranger to setbacks in life. She's lost both her siblings as well as her husband, and her eyesight and memory aren't what they used to be. But mainly she's happy, and as she talks about her life, I hear a significant amount of acceptance. In our conversation, you'll hear someone reflect on a life of big changes, such as changing careers, moving between continents, shifting her commitment to religion, and finding love late in life. In July, I took a day to drive a couple hours from San Francisco to Turlock, a town near Modesto in California's Central Valley, where Marge lives in a care home. I recorded our conversation in a cafe there shortly after arriving. Here's my conversation with Marge Goslin. Hi, Marge. Hi, Jay. Jay, I want you to know that when I knew Phyllis Oots, I was Marge Andreessen, okay? And then she became Phyllis Badenhope, and a hundred years later, I became Marge Goslin, okay? Well, I was 79 when I became Marge Goslin, okay. And, and uh, just so we know, how did you know my mom? Oh, boy, that's back in Spain in the 60s. We were both teaching school in Madrid, Spain. Well, not in Madrid, at uh, the Air Force Base, Torrejon Air Force Base, just outside of Madrid. It's the United States Air Force Base. There were quite a few of them overseas, and and they brought families to be with the people in the service, and we taught school there. And Phyllis and I became friends and decided to share an apartment in a place called Parque Avenidas, Avenidas de America, and a really lovely apartment that we shared for a couple of years in Madrid, Spain. And if you don't mind saying, how old are you and where do you live now? I'm 89 now. And I live in uh, Covenant Village of Turlock, California. And I want to tell you something, okay, that maybe you don't know. It's my fault you were born in California, in case you don't realize that. Because when we were in Madrid and Phyllis decided that she had had it with teaching overseas and decided to come back to the States, then she asked me for a suggestion, what I thought. And I said, San Diego. I love it. Where were you born? In San Diego. (laughs) Yeah, that's funny. So uh, 
she lived in San Diego until she passed, right? Um, she lived in San Diego up until a year before she passed, and then she needed uh, the care home that she was in. She needed memory care. Her dementia was getting pretty strong. They were worried she would wander out of the building. It was near a busy road. So we moved her up near us in San Francisco, and so that meant that instead of only seeing her a handful of times a year because of all the travel, we could now see her pretty much every week because it was just a 15-minute drive. That's great. Wow. Anyway, I was overseas much longer than she, and so uh, I came back. When did she leave? What year? She came back from Spain in 67. She taught overseas for seven years total, Okinawa for a year, Japan for a year, Germany for two, Spain for three. But how, how long were you overseas for? Oh, man, alive. I can't even remember. Much longer. I was in the Philippine Islands for two years, and I was in England near Oxford. I was there when Winston Churchill passed away. Boy, I still remember that funeral procession going through Oxford. And um, then I was in Spain for, I don't know, 100 years. I, I don't know how long. I loved Spain. I, I bought a, an apartment on the Mediterranean, and I didn't sell that until 2006. I went back to Spain. I was there for four years and finally sold the apartment. What are some of the things that you really loved about Spain or maybe that you miss about Spain now that you're here? Oh, boy. I love the food. It was very good. And it's not Mexican, so don't mix it up. It's very, very different. Mexican food is Mexican. Spanish is, is Spanish. And I've been to Spain, but, but what were some of the foods there that, that you really liked? Paella. Paella is the one I remember the most. And it's a big uh, dish. I brought a paella pan home, but man alive, I never used it. That's too complicated for me. <laughs> and uh, just to, to get some of your history, where did you grow up? I grew up mainly in Chicago. I was born in Minnesota, but I grew up in the Chicago area. Graduated from Wheaton College, and then uh, after I graduated, my sister and brother-in-law went out to California, so I rode out with them and decided that I liked it. And I've been in California ever since then. And you, you mentioned a sister and a brother, so you're one of three? Yeah. Well, they've both passed. So I'm I'm the last one living now, I'd, and I'd, with no sons or daughters, it's, yeah. Lots of good friends here at Covenant Village, though, so that's great. <laughs> that's good. What did your parents do? It's kind of interesting. Mother was a dressmaker when I was a little girl. You know, she didn't go to work as long as until I was... Uh, high school age or junior, yeah, junior high, about eighth grade. And I guess she figured she was able to, and she started to work at Marshall Field in Chicago and the big bus ride from Lincolnwood downtown to Marshall Field, but she loved it. And Dad was a, mainly a house painter, so very basic work. Amazing to me that in those days, with her being a sales lady and Dad being a painter, that they were able to pay my college education, and I graduated without debt. I, I just think that's amazing with the stories you hear today, you know? 
it seems like kids that get out of college have such a load of debt now. Yeah, it sounds like you were really fortunate that they were able to provide that for you, and it sounds like you also got some time with your mom because she was at home. Oh, yeah. But, um, you know, the memories of, of Spain and the, the apartment I shared with your mom, you know, it was great when I saw her again. What was sad is that I was so up in years that I really didn't do long trips like that, and I did see her before she passed, but not that often, so, you know, I'm, I'm sorry for that. Yeah, I mean, we're all doing the best we can, right? We're all living our lives. Um, how did you, wh what did you study in school? I'm also curious, like, how did you become a teacher? Like, what was that transition? I majored in Christian education, and I worked in Vista, California, in a beautiful church, community church of Vista, California, and uh, we had a Christian education conference with a speaker, a professor from Fuller Seminary, and he convinced me to go back to Fuller Seminary. So I went to seminary for one year at Fuller, and I didn't know as a woman what in the world I was going to do with a Bachelor of Divinity degree and become a preacher, you know? I mean, women didn't do that in my day. I was a second woman there, and now there are women that are pastors of churches and so forth. But So anyway, uh, a friend of mine went. I drove her. I had a car, so I drove her for her appointment for a teaching job. And while she was in for her appointment, somebody was speaking to me in the office, and they said, you could, you could become a teacher. You could start to work on a provisional credential, and with your background, they'd hire you, I'm sure, and they did. <laughs> so I quit seminary and became a teacher. <laughs> so I don't know. That's how I did it. And then you taught first in the U.S. before you went overseas? Oh, yeah. A friend of mine went uh, overseas, and that's how I found out about it, and and that's how I got to Spain and met your mom. So, so did you, you said you were roommates with my mom for, for a couple years. How, how would you describe your relationship with her? It, we were best of friends, really. Um, very supportive of one another. But you know what, I wonder back then, how in the world did we furnish the place? I have so many questions, too. Be fun to talk with her. Maybe she'd remember things that I don't. Well, I can remember having having cleared out her home that there was a lot of furniture from Spain, and I saw brochures of, like, furniture stores from Spain. So oh I think she goodness. told me that she was able to bring a lot of it back as cargo for yeah. whatever reason. That's it, it was not light stuff. It was pretty heavy-duty stuff. No, they, they ship. They, they, that was part of our p job the amount of things that they would ship for us back and forth. I came back with the batch of stuff, too, later on, much later. But uh, So that's interesting, you know, because probably we went out and shopped together. Because, uh, but my goodness, you know, we're almost to 2020, and we're talking back in the 60s. I mean, you're stretching my brain. You realize that. You're welcome. <laughs> oh my goodness do you remember what sort of things you would do for fun 
Oh yeah, we were on the on the base. There were, uh, and we traveled. I wonder what car I had over there then. <laughs> I ended up with an Opal. Have you ever heard of an Opal? I think that's a European brand of General Motors. Yes. Oh boy, you're sharp. Do you remember any specific trips you took together? I really don't. My my memory. I'm doing pretty well for 89, remembering as much as I am. You definitely are. But I think some brain cells are kind of frosted over probably or something. <laughs> what kind of a teacher was she? What grade did she teach there? She, she told taught, me first grade, I yeah, believe. I think so. I think she taught in the primary grades. You know, first grade would probably be it. And I taught middle grade, sixth grade, fifth grade, around in there. So, yeah, I had the tougher ones. No. <laughs> yeah, they're just different, different there, you know. But uh, I don't remember that much about it. How would you describe my mom's personality? Warm and friendly and gracious. Yeah. For sure. And she's a determined person, too. You know? She, uh, and she makes up her mind. She was quiet about, like, leaving. And then when she made up her mind, then, then she would talk about it. You know? Is that right? Is that the way you can remember her? I've heard people say that pretty often since I've been doing these interviews. I don't know that it was an adjective I would have initially chosen to describe her, but now that I hear them, I think that's pretty consistent with my experience as well. Yeah. yeah, she'd think about it, make a decision, and then she'd talk about it. But not, I don't believe that she, I don't remember that she talked about it with me to kind of get my opinion of what I thought. But I will say, she had the idea in mind of going to California and she wanted my input on that. I do remember that. Why do you think she went overseas? Oh, same as I did. You know, teaching school is, is a very good position. It's a very good job. But when you hear the excitement that you can travel like that, you know. Oh, I was going through my pictures because you were coming. And I found a picture that I pulled out just for me. <laughs> I'll probably show it to you, though. 57 Mercury convertible, white with gold fins. Okay? I bet you don't know that car. No. Okay? That's the car I paid to ship to the Philippine Islands when I was teaching school there. And I drove around the Philippines in that car. <laughs> and then I left it there. I sold it in the Philippines because they didn't want to pay to ship it home. I could buy another one back here, right? <laughs> That's so funny. So, uh, and then I go driving around Europe in this little Opal. I don't know why I didn't get a fancier car because I sure remember that 57 Mercury convertible. Well, I, I think I have at least one photo from your time in Spain, so I'm going to move the photo album over here. And let me try to find it. Um, this one up here on the corner. I believe that's you and my mom. I don't know. 
I can't, wait a minute. I got to be able to see this better. There's your mom. I, that's for sure. I believe it's my mom on the right, you in the middle, and I'm not sure who it is on the on the left side. I don't think so. I don't think so. And I don't have good enough light here to see this. Okay, maybe we'll try again somewhere else. I have macular degeneration as well now for my eyes. I just have to have better light. Okay, well, we'll move to another spot in a bit um, with some better light. So you moved back to the U.S. in the late 70s, you said? Yes, that's right. Yeah, I had been teaching school there, and when they found out that I played guitar, they wanted me to teach. I don't know how it happened. I ended up with two classes a day in middle school of guitar. I was teaching two classes a day for quite a few years. And in, I think it was 78, I lost my beautiful apartment. Well, that's, that's Spain. You, you, you weren't guaranteed it. They wanted their apartment back and I couldn't find another one. And I, I didn't like what I had. And I just decided it was time to go back to California for a while. And then I'd go back overseas again. Well, when I left there after teaching guitar two classes a day, I thought, well, I'll teach guitar in California for a while. So I came back here and I opened a guitar store. That was in Modesto? In Modesto, California, yeah. And, and why Modesto? Because that's where the family was. Your, your family? Yeah, my sis and brother-in-law were here with niece and a nephew, and my mom and dad were here. All of them have passed away since then, and, and I'm, so that, that's life. Okay, so then um, I opened a guitar store called Guitar Party, where it's fun to strum, and that thing went so well <laughs> that uh, I had that guitar store till the 90s when I decided, well, it was, I don't remember the year exactly, but anyway, I decided to go back into teaching. I was kind of scared I might not get hired because it had been so long since I taught in California. But when they found out I spoke Spanish fluently, I was grabbed. They were very happy to to have me uh, teach school, so I decided to close the guitar store and, and go back into teaching until I retired. So that's my story back here. And then when you were here, you were teaching in Spanish, with, like what the grades or what kinds of students? Bilingual kids that were um, the younger ages, kindergarten, first grade, to help them get started. And didn't you have a trip with my mom sort of after you had moved back? I thought you two had traveled around Europe together at some point, like a road trip. Um. You know, this really bothers me about myself because of my, this loss of memory, like remembering names. Oh boy, I'm bad at that anymore. And and I, I just do not recall it. And I hope you have pictures because that's gonna help me to, to remember you mean when I, when I was in Spain? I believe that you came, after you came back to the U.S., so in like the 90s, maybe even in the 2000s, I thought maybe you had taken a trip back to Europe together, the two of you. That's po very possible. Boy, oh boy, I want to dig for pictures. I spent so much time looking for pictures, but I think it's going to be slides. It's not going to be photos. And I can't see my slides yet, so I'm going to work on it, and it's going to help me get 
my memory's back. So hopefully that's coming. Yeah, I think I mentioned on the phone before I came out, I saw my mom had a big box full of slides, photos from all over the world, and I saw so many photos of landscapes and buildings, so few photos of people, but I believe there was a photo of my mom in front of the Madrid airport, a photo of you in front of the Madrid airport, not together, but both there. Yeah, a picture of each of us there, yeah, that's very possible. But that's what photos are good for, to help you with your memories. So, you know, I hope we can spend some time on that today. Yeah, definitely, definitely. You mentioned briefly that that you got married pretty late in life. My mom, of course, also got married late in life, not quite as, as late as you, but she would have been 30, just doing the math here, I guess 37th or so. Yeah. Um, do you have any perspective on why my mom got married you know, when she did and not earlier? Well, I can tell you a feeling that we both had. I don't know if I want to, though, because the sad thing overseas, the sad thing with the military and a single teacher's experience over there is a number of guys that when they're traveling, they'd want to date people, and they're married, living somewhere else, you know, and I think we got a pretty negative attitude. Sorry. That's okay. That's life, huh? That's part of life. That was one of the negatives of overseas life and uh, just part of it, just an experience that we had gone through together. I didn't know if I was going to bring it up either, <laughs> but you kind of led into it there. So, Yeah, I mean, it's, it's a tough thing. I'm not, she's not around for me to ask her and to find out what she's open to sharing or not. So, I mean, I, I'm just open to hearing whatever stories there are. Yeah. So, um, so I'm just sort of curious when you think about your life, since I'm talking to people and thinking about, thinking about a turning point in my life, the passing of my mom, it's gotten me, I mean, even at this stage, sort of thinking about like, what do I want to do with the rest of my time? Um, when you think back, what are some of the big life lessons, life experiences that you've had that you think really shape who you are? Wow, you better give me some time to think about that one. Well, I know that uh, that I had been brought up in the church, and I had been a dedicated Christian. And, and overseas life, I wandered. I really did, away from the Lord. And when I was in Madrid, I went to... I turned around, I just, I just, I, it kind of was like, that's that. And they had started a, a church in Madrid, English-speaking church in Madrid, Community Church of Madrid. A couple people told me about it, and I decided to go there. Turned my life back around again, dedicated to the Lord and to uh, my faith. And wow, that has, that has really changed my life so much because I've had the leading of the Lord step by step. That's the truth. What I'm saying right now is the truth. But the amazing thing is many, many years later, um, the pastor's wife passed away, and 
and he asked me to marry him. And I had not seen him since 78. Yes, I had seen him once when I came back from Spain. I made a big trip around the country because I couldn't get back in my house. It was rented. My house in Modesto was leased, and the, I, I had to travel around, so I bought an RV, a road trek, and I drove, let's see, how old was I then? 78. I drove 8,000 miles around the country visiting people. How old were you two when you got married? I was 79 and he was 84. So amazing, we had seven years together. But it's really amazing to me some of the steps along the way and, and how the Lord has led. And I am, I'm so grateful, I'm so grateful that, that I came back to my faith after wandering. So I don't think I've told that story before. Certainly not on a microphone. Well, and also just uh, to hear your acceptance when you talk about, you know, your parents passing, your siblings passing, and then to hear you say that's life. It seems like you have acceptance of, of these things. Oh, yeah. And I have hope. I have hope to see them again someday. It's a mystery. It is a mystery. But it is a hope. So... So Marge, I think probably we're gonna maybe take a break, look at photos, maybe have some lunch or something. Is there anything else that I didn't ask you about that I, that I should have asked you about? Anything else that is maybe an important part of the story? You're, you do wonderfully. I'm impressed. I am impressed. You had a school teacher, Mom. <laughs> I sure did. Well, thanks Marge for, for being a good sport and letting me record you. Oh, that's great. Thank you, Jay. Thank you for listening to my conversation with Marge Goslin. Of course, thanks also to Marge for all she shared and after we were done recording for treating me to lunch, including mint chocolate chip ice cream and playing guitar with me. It was a fun visit. I'd love to hear from you. If this episode touched you in some way, if you have constructive feedback on how I can improve future episodes, or if you know someone with an important story to share, please contact me. You can send a note or better yet, a voice memo to ggsgpodcast at gmail.com Again, that's ggsgpodcast at gmail.com Include your name and phone number so I can follow up with you. Lastly, if you like the show, please tell a friend who might appreciate it. If you want to help even more people discover the show, please rate it, review it, and subscribe on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. Go Go Stop Go was produced by me, Jay Badenhope. Music by Poddington Bear. Take care of yourself.